Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Unity Project podcast is one about the relationships that we have with our bodies. Today, I got to interview a wonderfully kind, sweet, just magical human being named Melissa Hawks. Melissa and I have been connected on social media for quite a while, and it was such a joy to finally be able to sit down and talk to her and hear her story because she's one of those people that I just, I read a post and I feel better. It's just every word that she says just oozes with compassion for herself and compassion for those around her and the world. And oh my goodness, I just learned so much. We talked a lot about that in itself, compassion, self-compassion. But really the biggest thing that I loved about this interview was just her honesty and her journey of what it took to make the decision to love herself, to make the decision to want to connect with her body, to want to care for her body. That's a hard thing to do uh, for anybody, but specifically for a woman when you're raised being told that your body is not your own. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. If you guys are enjoying the Unity Project podcast and you want to support me and get more involved in what I'm doing, then you can go check out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash JackieGTV. That is where you can support me for as little as $1 a month. Or if you'd like to learn more about my story and how I got from there to here type of thing, then you can check out my book, Finding Home. That is the story of me looking for what the meaning of home is and how to find home inside of my own body. If you want to pick up a copy of that, then either send me a DM on Instagram or check out my website. All of that information, the links will be in the description box below. Or if you want to support me but cannot afford to do so financially right now, then leaving a review anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple or Spotify or Podbean, leaving a review down there, letting people know what you think, that is extremely helpful. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoy. Melissa, how is it going over there in the beautiful California? It's it is beautiful. It's a gorgeous day. The sun is shining. There's a slight breeze and <sighs> I'm double vaccinated. So Ooh. what could be better? <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, how does it feel to be double vaccinated? Well, it feels pretty great. I've actually spent most of the year alone. And so I um like these these people in this area I just moved to and they don't know yet, but I'm getting ready to hug as many of them as they let me. So <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what needs to happen after that. I like oh my gosh. I mean, we could talk about that for an hour, but just the chaos of this past year of a pandemic yeah. is a whole it's like a simulation but the getting I just got my second vaccine I think like um maybe three weeks or a month ago and it's like shocking almost I almost like don't even believe that it happened I'm like wait am yeah. I okay <laughs> is this I know oh, I know and the mask gosh. is like second nature now so. Oh, I know. It's part of my outfit now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm so stoked that you are fully vaxxed and me and Kaylee are, because as I told you right before we were recording, we are heading out your way soon and we cannot yeah, yeah. wait to see you. That is so yes. lovely to know that you're just north of where we're about to be for a while. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about that too. I can't wait to hug both of you in person if you let me. Oh, uh, please do. <laughs> Give me so many hugs. I am hug deprived. I need that. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm just going to snuggle anyone like platonically, romantically, you know, <laughs> familially, whatever. Just oh. let me touch you. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. That is the proper attitude. Um, wow. Well, <laughs> Melissa, if you want, we should jump right in because I am stoked to talk to you because you have said so many incredible things on your Instagram page and in other podcasts. And actually, I just also listen to your your meditation that you have mm. on SoundCloud. I found it in your link tree. I was like, oh my gosh, she has a meditation too. <laughs> but you have so much good to say on the topic of uh, bodies and our relationships with them. And yeah. yeah, so if you would like, would you please describe your relationship with your body? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. It's a great question. Um, my relationship with my body is evolving. Mm. Um, it has been quite, quite a journey. Um, for a long time, I was very disconnected from my body. I have experienced a lot of trauma in the past from the time I was very young. And uh, it was, you know, a natural way of staying safe to be disconnected from my body. Um, mm. I mean, there's so many layers to that that we could talk about. Um, but these days, uh, I work very hard to connect with my body. And I do that through meditation, through different types of movement, um, and just through the practice of checking in throughout the day to say, okay, what's happening in my body? What do I notice? Because I really carry my feelings in my body too. And so just being sure that I'm listening, the practice of listening. Um, and it's still a journey. I mean, uh, there have been a few bumps in the road recently, but um, you just got to keep moving forward. And it's a practice. You don't get it perfect. You just keep showing up for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love that. Someone said that recently to me about how their relationship, they talked about how it was evolving. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that wording around it just because it is never going to stop growing and changing and becoming and unbecoming more and more. And yes. I don't know, like, like what you said, what you said so perfect and exactly where I wanted to go into, which is the disconnection was a tool for survival through mm -hmm. the beginning parts of your of your life how you're saying that like I I and I'm sure so many people probably anybody can resonate with that whether whether we re really realize it or not like we disconnect in so many ways even if it's just like as small as just mm -hmm. kind of daydreaming or as obvious as like going out and doing drugs or something like that like disconnecting has a purpose yeah um yeah but tell me about what it was like as a kid like what what uh, messages did you receive about your body and what kind of made you feel like you needed to disconnect in order to be okay yeah um well there were many things but I think there were probably three main things that influenced that disconnection one um I experienced sexual trauma at a very very young age um mm. and so so it wasn't really safe to be in my body, you know, um, and it was from uh, adults. And so um, the only way that I could, you know, feel 
like I still had some measure of control was to go inside my head. And I had this lush inner world that I created for myself. Um, and that was that was where I survived, but not in this physical body. And then um, the second thing was, um, I grew up in evangelical Christianity, fundamentalism. Um, it was a a sect of, of evangelical Christianity that was more like a cult. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a woman's body was, um, was offensive. It was offensive and it was um, dangerous. And from a very young age, I understood that my body was dangerous and I needed to do everything in my power to like quell its danger, you know? Um, and I, the other thing, the third thing was I grew up in a family where, um, people had been abused, um, growing up and had very, very poor self images. And so that was translated to me as well. Um, being put on uh, a diet when I, or food restriction when I was like eight or nine. And, you know, you're going through that like awkward stage. And so that just became a way of life for me. And I didn't think about it as um, like any kind of disorder or anything like that, but it was very disordered eating. And it was just the way I had been raised and taught to punish my body into submission um, because submission is what was um expected of me so those are kind of the three things that really like influenced me there and how it was uh to show up was that i i didn't really show up in my body i mean i was there but like i said i had this lush fantasy world in my mind and i mean it skewed every interaction that i had because i had a whole story going on inside my head because that's how I functioned in the world instead of actually being present in the moment really with people. So, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. That makes a ton of sense why you would need, why you'd feel the need to create a world where it was safe inside of your mind because the world outside of you was so unsafe. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about, tell me about when you, what you said about the, um, the Christianity, the cult where you said the, a woman's body was offensive. In what ways was that communicated? Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like you've probably had multiple people on this podcast talk about uh, the whole idea that, like, it's a woman's responsibility to make sure that she doesn't tempt a man, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew from a very young age that I tempted men because of what had happened to me. And I didn't know how, I mean, I was too little. I didn't know anything, you know, um, but I knew that it was my fault and I knew I was going to hell. Um, mm. I didn't want to go to hell because, you know, burning forever um, in darkness <laughs> alone is it's kind of the worst. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yes, the least. <laughs> it was, it was communicated that way, but also there were, you know, like a, there were a million tiny microaggressions every day towards that where, um, I mean, I would be told like my skirt would come right below my knee and I would be told that's too short or like something would like fit. I'm, I'm a curvy, I'm short and I'm a small human, but I'm very curvy. And so something would fit a little, be a little fitted and it would be like, oh no, you can't wear that, you know? And it wasn't Mm -hmm. just like my family, but it was the whole community were like making sure 
that, uh, you know, I didn't go around tempting men. And um, I remember a pastor who was also a mentor telling me, um, like, you need a man who like can control you, who can tame you because you have like a really big wild streak in you. And like, that's going to get you in trouble. Oh my God. (laughs) And now I celebrate that because my wildness is like so beautiful to me. And I revel in that. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it was expressed and presented to me in that way that all of these things were my responsibility and under my control. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had to make sure that all these people's responses to me was the appropriate one. And so I learned to, um, be whatever anyone needed and, um, you know, shape shift to fit into a space so I was seen enough but not too much and was um liked but not liked too much and Mm -hmm. never showed up as my full self oh wow wow that brings that just like brings up so many important things like I I I don't know. I t- spent most of my life like separating the idea of sexual trauma and purity culture or anything that had to do mm-hmm. with um, the church because I just put those in different categories like sexual trauma and religious trauma. Mm. But they are so inseparable if yeah. you grew up in the church and have any experience in that because they just like, oh my gosh, just the whole concept of the way you put it was so brilliant of like the pastors and the people around you telling you or saying things that made you believe that your body was or men's reactions were your responsibility and it was all based on what you wore how you acted or etc etc and then when sexual trauma happens which it did which is inevitable in that kind of environment because no one's taught anything um and it's just all based on the man has this desire and the woman Mm -hmm. has to deal with that and try to control that for him. Yeah. It just, it's so, so, so sad and scary. Just the concept of being like, Oh, that means, or that means that that was my fault Mm. because it makes sense that you would think that after, after the pastors and whatnot tell you that like, men's reactions are your responsibility and that is so damaging and so traumatic yeah it is and I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is that it's also traumatic to men because it takes away their autonomy as well Um, just as it takes away my autonomy it takes away theirs as well because it tells them like you can't help that response it's just something that happens in you and it's not your fault Mm. And so I think it's damaging in both directions, you know, and that's why these sort of things play out. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, not that it would have been any better otherwise, but these men who uh, abused me were, for the most part, like men of God and leaders in, you know, uh, Christianity in some sort of way or in the church in some sort of way. And so when that happens, especially from a young age, you equate you know, God with this person because they're a representation of that to you. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a whole other journey, like where I'm at now with spirituality and what works for me and what doesn't because of that, you know? Yeah. Oh, because that just, that goes in so deep in our souls. That is like, 
Oh my gosh. I forgot exactly what I said, but I was trying to put words to describe this uh, religious trauma stuff that I was trying to process through to my therapist a while back. And it just, it felt like some kind of really, really like deep soul. Oh, what word did I use? Like an invasion of my soul in like the closest yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Like a violation. Oh. Yes, that's the word. Thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so much. And then when you tie that in with sexual trauma, it's just, it is, there's just so much healing that needs to come after that. And oh, it's just not, it makes me all mad. There's like two parts to me right now. There's like one part of me that's like all pissed off and wants to rant and be mad with you. And then there's the other part that's like, wants to get so into the psychology of all of it and I'm like how do I do this I know I know well I think like for me the idea like of healing that because you don't even know you when you start your journey of healing like you don't even know that that's what you're dealing with right there's so many layers and you have to peel off all of those layers but then you get to a certain point where you're like reclaiming yourself and your body you're rebuilding your self-worth you're recognizing your value, you're learning to like, just very practically, like, listen to your body, when I eat this thing, it hurts me. So maybe I shouldn't eat it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even things like that. And that for me, that like, very visceral, physical, like, animal piece of it, like being in my body has been the most healing thing for me and has, has given me back autonomy in a way that I, I didn't know to look for or expect. Mm. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. How, what did that journey, like the beginning of that journey look like when uh, okay. you kind of started yeah, to take steps back inside your own body or even realizing that that was an option? Because I don't know. I don't remember where I even learned the language for this stuff. But how did that come about for you? Yeah, I mean, it's one that I have tried to be on for probably the past like seven or eight years. But um, there's this moment that I think of, it was 2019, May of 2019. And I had like quit my amazing corporate job, like left my, I had a, like a, a place like on the beach, on a cliff. It was gorgeous. It was amazing in San Diego. I sold everything left and was going to travel the world. So I'm in Mm. Spain and I'm in this hotel room and um, I have been like eating a little bit more and enjoying myself because I'm in Spain, right? There's like Mm -hmm. wine and cheese and bread and all of the good things. And so my jeans are a little snug and I take this picture in the mirror and I look at myself and... um, I'm like so horrified by myself. And at the same time, I had been listening to this song by, um, oh gosh, I'll have to look it up and see what it is. Uh, It's like Anna something. I can't remember what it is, but um, it's called Perfect to Me. And it's talking about like, you know, like my thighs are as big as New York City or something. I, I don't need to look like what everyone else thinks. I'm perfect to me. And I had been listening to this on repeat and I wanted that so bad. And so I take this picture of myself and I'm so horrified. And I look back now and it was so cute. And I like <laughs> post it on Instagram and I post it with the intention that I am going to learn how to love myself. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what that's going to look like, 
but I'm going to learn how to love myself. And I had mm. been walking. Um, the reason I was in Spain was because I was walking the Camino, uh, the Camino de Santiago. I was taking the Portuguese route. I started in um, Porto, Portugal, walked up the coast into Spain over the course of a couple of weeks. And wow. I had had this, like had a, like a lot of moments of facing myself and being alone. It was crazy. I really had to like face myself because I was facing some harsh, like physical conditions. So basically the Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like an ancient pilgrimage, but the Portuguese route walks along the coast and um, there are less pilgrims. That's what they're called. There are less pilgrims on that route. So I'm mostly by myself this whole time. And I like, walk through a sandstorm I'm walking through this forest that is still like sizzling it's been on fire and like the ground is so um heated it's like melting the soles of my sneakers it was crazy there's all of these moments where I'm like pushed physically and I I have this recognition because I'm processing all of this past trauma because I'm alone and what else do I have to do and um had this moment and I realized like as I'm walking through these harsh conditions my body is for me and I was thinking of it as like you know like my body is is on my team is on my side but Mm -hmm. as this phrase is like repeating in my mind I hear it and I'm like oh my body is for me and it was like it's so simple, but so mind blowing because my whole life, my body had never been my own. It had mm. never existed for me. It had existed for God. It had existed for other people's pleasure. It uh, had existed to fill certain roles, but it had never just been my own. So I have this epiphany and then I'm standing in this hotel room looking in the mirror And like saying all these horrible things about my body. And I realized like, no, my body is my own. So I Mm want to learn how to show up and live in it and love it and like love it so deeply, more deeply than anyone ever has and maybe ever will. I want to love my body more than anyone can and like more than anyone else can. And so that was like the beginning of that journey for me. And that was a couple of years ago. And it's it's been an interesting journey because a big part of it has been like healing my physical body. And so, you know, I had this unhealthy relationship with food and disordered eating. And um, when I finally started learning to listen to what my body wanted, what made it feel good and what made it feel bad, whether it was food, whether it was exercise, whether it was being with a particular person, um, it transformed my whole life. I transformed my whole life. And over the past year specifically, I've had a lot of time to be alone and really get comfortable with my body without the eyes of anyone else, without their gaze. So what a gift. Oh my gosh. That's like, that sounds like such a, such a spiritual experience, (laughs) like such a movie scene. Oh my gosh. I feel like that moment when you just realize, like, I want to love myself and my body is for me and how you said you want to love yourself more than anyone else could ever love yourself. That is, oh my gosh, that, that feels like such a rare, special feeling that changes everything. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does because, um, like, I'm a lover. Like, if I love you, I'm all in. 
like all in, like whatever, if it's like friendship, like romance or like my family, like I'm all in and I'm invested and you will know I love you. And like, it might be messy sometimes, but like, you're going to know, you'll always know. And I've always given that to everyone else. And I want to keep giving that to other people. But I realized like, I want to like be that lavish with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so that's been a practice for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What, what has that looked like over the past couple of years of kind of putting that into, into real life action and, and really taking care of yourself from there? Like through the dis- disordered eating you talked about and whatnot, like what did kind of unlearning that stuff and learning how to just love your body look like? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think people talk about this in like really philosophical ways. And for me, it was very practical. It was rewiring my brain. Like, um, it was like setting the intention every day. I will notice my thoughts, uh, towards my body, both good and bad. And when I say negative things about my body, I will notice that I will acknowledge where that voice came from. Because it's not my voice that's saying that. It's somebody else's from the past who's saying that. So I'll like recognize whose voice is actually saying that to me, not my own. And then I'll replace it with what I really believe about my body. Like the beauty that I believe I possess. And that's been a really important thing in separating out all the other people's voices in my life and my own to really hear my intuition and myself. So yeah, so it's been, you know, I've written letters to my body. I have, um, I've done that practice of intention setting. And then also just like, like the very practical, like I was saying, listening to my body, like if I'm like, oh, my stomach hurts, I think about, oh, what did I just eat? Or am I experiencing emotion? And I think about how all these different things tie together and I pay attention. I'm just actually listening to my body and reconnecting with it, just like I would another person. Mm. So, wow, that letter writing is huge. We had to do that in, uh, I was in treatment for an eating disorder uh, last, yeah, last year. And that was the first assignment that we had to do. That was really like, just put it into perspective for me for, oh, there is a, a, I have a body and I have a relationship with it. And right now it is extremely abusive. And how do I, what does that look like? And how do I fix that? And, or not even fix it, but how do I like talk about that and work in that? And that was everything to me because there's just so much that you're your body and my body, like our bodies hold wisdom and trauma and beauty and everything. And so I just, oh, I love your words about this so much. I, I've always thought this when I see your your posts on, on Instagram, and I heard a lot of this in the podcast that I was listening to you and I was um, preparing for our interview, but you sound so unbelievably self-compassionate. And that is... That is like goals times a million, honestly, for me. I think it is so beautiful the way you talk about about bodies and the way you talk about your healing journey. And like, even you said something uh, in the podcast I was listening to about how you, and I loved this and it stuck out to me a lot because this is the first time I think I've heard someone else uh, talk about 
the specific thing in this way other than me and my therapist but uh, <laughs> you you said that you were in the process of healing from a trauma and you told your therapist that you drank a whole bottle of wine the night before which you don't do yeah. and you were like worried that it was something like wrong I'm assuming because I've had so many of those moments in therapy and I'm like I feel like I'm about to get in trouble yeah but then the way your therapist responded was so beautifully of like you were taking care of yourself in that moment and sometimes it's just getting to the next day and if it looks like that we're going to hold space for that and be compassionate for that because there's just there's no healing outside of compassion yeah yeah tell me about that yeah so I love that you brought that up because um it's so beautiful to see uh the journey from that moment to where I am now so yeah she offered me that compassion and gave me the space like she set up the space for me to offer that compassion to myself and uh so there were those moments like I was I was digging in and I was facing really, really horrific things that I had just carried in my body and had never looked at and never told anyone. And so one of my friends is a therapist and she says, Melissa, sometimes you have to numb, like you can't be healing like 24 hours a day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so at that point, there were some things that I was doing that um, helped me numb a little bit during that healing process because it was extremely painful. So I was drinking. um, At that point, I wasn't drinking that much. It had just been that time, but I started drinking more after that. And it's really fascinating because as I have begun this practice of loving myself and offering self-compassion, that has really shifted. And it wasn't even a like, oh, I need to get sober thing. It was just like, oh, my body doesn't feel good when I do this. I don't want to put this in my body. Let's find other ways of like um, staying in our body, but like maybe shifting our focus away from the trauma that feel good. And that's when I kind of found meditation. And so, um, yeah, the practice of self-compassion, I appreciate you like acknowledging that. And also it's been a journey and it is still a journey. I had something recently um, that happened and I was, uh, I was very judgmental towards myself for this thing that I had done to my body. And, um, and I had to offer that compassion. And I had to have a friend tell me, Hey, Melissa, you need to be gentle and forgiving with yourself. And so uh, it's a constant journey. No one ever gets it, you know, complete or perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. And I love talking about talking about things like, I don't know. I learned recently kind of what the difference is of someone being like trauma, the differences of someone being like Mm. trauma informed or not trauma informed in the way they practice anything in life, really. Like you see through a totally different lens being trauma informed and stuff. And so, yeah, I think the reason it like it caught my attention so much that part of the podcast was that it's a little bit rare for me to hear people talk about things like that as more of like a strategy to survive versus like this terrible thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like it takes, yes, and it just, it takes, like, just looking at it like this strategy that was helping me in this way for this time because I needed it to get to the next day, because when you're in those moments, like, you need anything to get to the next day, and then learning, like, 
the process of, oh, that doesn't feel good. Like you were saying, like, what else can we put in my body that does feel good? Not for, like you said, because I did something bad and I need to be sober and I'm now an addict. And because like none of that, none of that, in my opinion, is helpful. That just no. adds all this shame and it just keeps you in this dark, weird place that you were never meant to be in. Yeah. And so when you talk about it through the lens of self-compassion and the lens of like, I don't know, I've changed so much of the language I've used lately, honestly, since going to this current therapist that I have of just like, I don't even like saying like doing the work, but more mm -hmm. so like learning how to love yourself because it's all about being gentle and I'm like holding yeah. my hands up like you could see them because I'm so excited about what <laughs> this is, but I just love it. Okay, Leo. Yeah. Sorry, there's a man who's obviously just going to break in and ruin my dog's life. Leo, do you, do you find um, like that process of being gentle with yourself? Do you find that that has been a challenge for you, like learning oh. to do that? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember the first session that I had with my therapist where she even said the word self-compassion. She like mm -hmm. had to kind of slowly whisper it because she could, I think, tell that I was going <laughs> to totally reject it. She was like, it sounds like we need to work on self-compassion. And I was like, uh-uh, no, get that out of here. And I think a lot of that comes, at least from my history it comes from like I mean I don't know a lot of the details obviously of your um, experience with uh, evangelical Christianity and all that stuff but there's so much that came from there that yeah. ironically made it so hard to be self-compassion self-compassionate yes. towards myself because like it's so ironic because the whole or at least in a lot of versions of it the whole message is grace and forgiveness and love but mm -hmm. if you look underneath all that like there's so much toxicity and there's so much damage when you think of like how I don't know my yeah. dad even said something regarding that that like shame is good because it shows you where you're wrong because mm. you are wrong and bad and you need God to make you not bad and it's just like no oh, man <laughs> you know oh. I always say shame like shame is not a tool that ever creates sustainable change it doesn't no it's mm -mm. just like a, it is a band-aid over whatever is underneath there. And unless you like explore the underlying cause, you're just going to keep putting a shame band-aid on it. And you're not ever going to change a behavior that maybe hurts someone or whatever it was or hurts you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just recently saw this thing on Twitter. I'm sure you know and love Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, <laughs> cool. I was like, <laughs> anyone, anyone who I've ever talked to has automatically have to know who she is. But um, she responded to something on Twitter about someone saying how like someone thought they should use shame to like shame people into getting vaccinated mm -hmm. or shame people into like wearing masks. And they were like, I'm curious to hear what you think. And they tagged her and she responded to it. It was so against it for obvious reasons but it was so cool to hear I wish I could find the tweet to read it I'll have to send it to you later unless you've seen mm -hmm. it I'm not sure I haven't okay but just how she put it about how like what happens if you shame them versus what happens if you listen to them and yeah. try to empathize with them and talk with them and because like you're right there is no long-term anything good that comes from shame it's all just bad yeah 
And that's a, that is also, that's also a technique you can use on yourself. Um, I, you know, I did um, uh, internal family systems therapy, which saved my life. I would not be Mm -hmm. here if if I hadn't have done that. And it was all about like recognizing those parts of yourself and acknowledging them and accepting them and embracing them. And people talk about that in a lot of ways. They talk about it as shadow work, um, you know, facing your own darkness, all of those things. And it's, it's that same practice that Brene was talking about in instead of like shaming those what you consider dark parts of yourself, sitting with them, listening to them, understanding why they're there and how they have helped you and supported you in the past. Mm-hmm. And then allowing them to see like who you are now and that they can still be there, um, that they don't have to take over. So yeah. I love that. I love that she said that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just imagining a world or a life that shame just was non-existent is is so oh my gosh it feels so it feels like magic and it's yeah it's so special because I don't know I mean your proof and anyone else who has a story where they where they learn to become more compassionate and less shame yeah shameful or whatnot is just proof that that is possible to get closer to because we have so much more control than we realize is something I've learned so much lately and yeah just being aware being aware of all this in general is such a huge step forward and yeah oh it's just so good it's just so Um, good you know it's I I love that you like said we have so much power than what we think and you were talking about a world where um shame didn't exist right and (laughs) one of the things that I do on my Instagram and my Instagram is for it's for folks who identify as women and who are healing themselves and on a journey. So any like men who show up like, okay, be there, but this is not for you. Right. That's like how I view it. (laughs) And so one of the things that I have used over the past year is like images of my own body um, along with words to speak to other women, to make space for them to explore these ideas too. And I really, like, that has helped me overcome this idea of shame of my body being shameful, like parts of my body being shameful, or just as a whole, my body being shameful, or like, you know, like nakedness, even being shameful, like, when I look at it, and I'm creating like, what I'm offering in my mind, how I see it is like a piece of art. I'm looking at the lines, I'm looking at the curves. And then I'm like exploring loving your body with that. And that's been a way for me to reclaim my body and also like present myself without shame, you know, knowing what my intention is. Um, And I don't know how the rest of the world experiences it, but that's how I experience it. Yeah, that is, that's so empowering to see. I remember the first post I saw of yours that um, or the first one that I saw of yours that was um, about what you're saying right now. And I read it and I remember wanting to cry because I was like, it's just such a beautiful love letter to yourself. And and reading that just like inspires out of me and I'm sure out of everybody who follows you, just inspires you wanting to do the same thing. And I'm getting so emotional in this conversation. I I love it. Emotion is real. Yes, it's so real. It's just like, oh, I don't know. I'm in, um, 
I'm in like the most incredible relationship right now with my girlfriend Kaylee, who I know that you're connected with online and whoever's listening. And the relationship with her has just like, like the way that she loves me has helped Mm. me learn so much about what it means to love myself. And it's like, it also is this, this huge metric system almost of like showing me what work I need to do in loving myself Mm. and showing me that it is possible to be loved that much and it's just been it's just like held up this mirror that I think we all need so much and I feel like your posts and your words do a really similar thing Mm. and it's just really special so I just wanted to be emotional about it thank you I received that uh that's that's my intention. And I love that you are talking about how you've learned to explore this through relationship. I think a lot of people have this idea that like, I have to do this work on my own before I can be in a relationship. And maybe yeah. some of us, maybe some of us do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've had some different people cross my path who have affected me in some way. I haven't been in um, a long-term relationship since my divorce, like you're in right now. Um, but I think it's different for everyone. So when I hear someone say that, I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. I look forward to the day when I meet someone who we're are connected and on the same wavelength. And I know that that's going to add another layer to my healing at that point too. And also I'm doing the work of healing myself right now and not waiting for that. You know, I think it's beautiful in both ways. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, do you watch the show? Do you watch It's Creek? Um, I have watched the first season. I'm still like working my way through. I know I'm late. I know everyone else is Oh, in no, it and that's okay <laughs> okay I can't say what I was gonna say then because it's gonna spoil it and you oh no no no! you can it. tell me you can tell me I know oh I know gosh. some things that happen a little bit later on so okay 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 you gotta still watch it though okay because it is brilliant um but I was just gonna say how they represent that so well in that show with the character developments and how everybody ends up like how David ends up versus how Alexis ends up and you can tell like how Okay, I'll just I'll just say how it is. Spoiler alert for anyone who has not seen all of Shit's Creek, how David ends up getting getting married to Patrick and how Alexis ends up alone and going and doing her thing because that's what she needs and like that's where her growth lies is going and having that time of life where it is her becoming her and David is having that time of life where he's letting to, letting his walls down and letting Patrick love him and those are just two very different journeys of the same thing of just just becoming who we've always been and what that looks like is so different for everybody and there's just ways to do that in any any time of our life whether it's whether it's alone or with a partner or just in the middle of anything like it's just such it's just so good and now I really need you to go watch it because I feel so guilty for ruining the ending. <laughs> okay, but anyway, you got to check this out because just the way that they, just the way that they show the different mm. versions of that healing journey in all yeah. these different ways is so beautiful and so intentional for, for their different, their different experiences and their different personalities and personas and spirits and all of that. 
Yeah, I love that so much. It's really interesting because um, one of my best friends, uh, Amber Solis, uh, she's a writer. She um, has been married for 18 years and both of us have been on this journey to loving our bodies at the same time. So her experience of it has looked very different than my own, but the place we find ourselves in and loving our body and loving ourselves has been very similar. So I love that you can take different paths and still end up at the same destination and it's not it's not like there is only one way to get there even in our own Mm -hmm. lives I think there could have been many ways for me to get here this is just the one that I ended up taking yeah absolutely well I have a a question for you on your your Instagram you describe yourself as an intuitive life doula Will okay. you tell me what that means? I'm very curious. That okay, was a total topic change. I hate the word coach so much. Oh my gosh, I hate the word coach. Um, mm. I don't know why I just have like this really terrible like context with it. And Fair. I've been trying to find phrases that um, are meaningful to me. You know, I'm a writer too. And so the work that I do with women, you could call it a coach if you want to. I call it an intuitive life doula because a doula in like the traditional sense is someone who helps bring life into the world right she is a midwife and she is there and there's more to her role with a pregnant woman um but she's there to bring life into the world and so when I say intuitive life doula what I mean by that is um I work with women to help them reconnect with their body reconnect with their spirit and reconnect with their intuition um, to rebuild the life that they really want. And sometimes it's after like sexual trauma. Uh, and sometimes it's just after like living in society or like religious trauma or something like that. Um, and so what I feel my role is, um, I'll do like regular sessions with them and we'll talk about specific topics. I give very practical assignments for people to do to help with rewiring their brain, the beliefs and behaviors that are left over from trauma, even after you do therapy. Um, Mm. and also I feel like the biggest piece of my role is just to witness someone in their healing journey. Um, so the work that I do, we don't talk a lot about our trauma stories in that work. We talk about, like I said, the beliefs and behaviors that are left over afterwards and how Mm. they're no longer compatible with the life we're living or the life we want to live. And we look at rewiring those. Um, and sometimes it's around relationships. Sometimes it's around money and finances. Sometimes it's, um, around our physical body. Uh, and once you shift that and change that and learn to value yourself and accept yourself, it changes everything else in your world. So Mm. you could say I'm a life coach, but I really hate that. So (laughs) I say intuitive life doula, but I'm still looking for a phrase. So, um, just walking with someone on their journey. Yeah. I love that phrase. I, um, another friend of mine who I interviewed on here, their thing was, uh, living death doula Mm. and I was like what in the world is that and when they were explaining it I was like oh that makes so much sense because oh there's just so much there and so I had to I had to ask you about that because I think that that's a really a really beautiful and important thing and so so on topic for this podcast goodness gracious yeah (laughs) yeah without I'm sorry go go ahead no go ahead um, I was going to say, without uh, sharing more than you'd like to, uh, what does the process kind of look like for you 
in those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. So before we even um, have our first session, I have uh, I have the women like kind of lay out what areas of their life they're um, wanting to see change in and um, what some of the challenges or roadblocks they see to that being. And then um, uh, I will write down a few um, ideas of like d- different like activities or practices that I think might be useful for them. But w- what we'll do is we'll just meet, we'll have a conversation. Sometimes it'll be on the phone. Sometimes it'll be on Zoom. And um, I will have some questions that I ask. Um, in my corporate work, I'm a researcher. So that's one of my gifts, asking questions oh, cool. and getting people to um recognize for themselves like what direction they need to go so i'll ask some questions and as they're like telling me about it there are times when i'll offer reframes and i'll say something like i hear you saying this it's it's like it's similar like some of the techniques are similar to therapy but again we don't focus on the trauma stories we focus on the behaviors Mm -hmm. so um for example, um, someone may like feel like they don't have any relationships where people respect and honor their boundaries, right? So one of the things we have to do first is like get comfortable with setting boundaries. And so how do I do that in one particular relationship? And then the assignment will be to set certain boundaries. It's very, very practical. And then we just go week <laughs> from week and we build onto that until three months in there's just like oh my god my life is completely different and I actually love myself and it's amazing it's so amazing to see that but it's just a combination of like um conversation discussion uh question and answer and self-exploration and then also uh practices like actual daily practices and then some activities as well um to kind of kind of help move you in the direction that you're wanting to go Mm. so I don't know if I gave enough there I'm happy to offer some examples but that's kind of what it looks like and it's different for every person because every person is different has different needs Mm -hmm. no that was that was a perfect answer I think that that is so cool how did you Oh, so How a did whole I get into conversation. <laughs> yeah, like where did that come from? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I have, you know, I've always kind of like coached people unintentionally. Like it was just like a natural state of being for me, even when I was still like in therapy or whatever. I just like asked questions and then like responded back to people what they were what I heard them saying and then asked more questions and it's just a it's just a way to like get people to like see for themselves like I'm not telling you what you need to do you're recognizing what you need to do and telling yourself right and Mm. um so as I started sharing more and more about my journey um I just had women who started coming to me saying like are you ever going to do like a workshop to talk about this? Or um, would you ever like work with someone one-on-one? And so I was like, okay. And honestly, it's still, it's still kind of expanding right now. Um, I'm putting together like a four week workshop uh, on some of these topics that we mentioned um, for a group of women. And um, I still like do some one-on-one stuff, uh, but I also I also have a conversation first and we really, we really get down in the nitty gritty because the women that I work with, 
pardon the phrase, but they are like balls to the wall, all in. Like they, yes. they are like, I am invested in this. I am committed and uh, I'm emotionally invested in this and I will show up. And if it feels right in my body to do whatever it is you ask of me, I will do it because that's one of my things. I always say, if it feels right to you, if it doesn't modify it, because like the whole point is to get someone to trust themselves and to trust their body. So I give mm-hmm. opportunities and invitations to do that. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And that is such an incredible kind of woman is all in, man. Balls to the wall, like you said. <laughs> they're amazing. Like, yes. Their life transforms so quickly because when you are like focused on that and invested in that, like it shifts everything. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love how you repeat back what you hear them say and to kind of help them just hear their own thoughts I um I had a friend who used to do that for me all the time and I always be like what are you doing she's like I'm holding up a mirror for you and I'm like oh this makes sense and it's so helpful yeah it's so good so so good and also to know just like I think this is something I really had to learn for myself and I'm still learning um like my job is not to teach everyone a lesson. That's not my responsibility in the world. Like that's not why I'm here. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times when my role is not to give advice, no matter whether I'm filling that role of intuitive life doula, or if I'm just talking to a friend, my role is just to listen and witness their experience and say, that makes sense. That sounds hard. And let them like, walk through that themselves and just walk alongside them so Mm. oh that's so good so so good Mm. listen I have I have two more questions for you is that okay yeah okay okay amazing amazing um the first question would be uh, I always take this one of two ways when I'm about to end and I'm trying to think which one feels better um Okay, we're going to do a combination of both of them. <laughs> uh, but what, what ways do you, or what, what tools do you use today when you feel like you are disconnecting from your body in a way that you don't want to be, or you feel like you do need to numb out because that is necessary sometimes, or you just need a break or you need to connect with yourself? What are ways that you do that today that you've found to be really helpful Yeah, I love that. I love that question. So one of my biggest tools is simple that everyone can do, and it's breathing. And when I notice that disconnection happening, I also usually notice tightness somewhere in my body. And so I'll just close my eyes. And I'll just take like the deepest breath in and focus that breath as I take it in at the place where I feel tightness in my body wherever that is. And then when I let it out, I actually like out loud exhale. I had a massage therapist one time who was massaging me and it really hurt. And I was completely silent. And he said, you need to let that out. It tells your body that you're listening and it tells those around you that you're having a hard time and it's an important social cue and you need to let it out. So I do that. So I breathe and I breathe in deep to those places where I'm feeling disconnected from, where I'm feeling tightness or whatever. And then I let it out. So that's one of my tools. Um, Mm. When I need to kind of like numb out, um, I, man, my weighted blanket, it's like, it's such a gift. I will like put on some 
meditation music sometimes and I'll just like put a weighted blanket on me or I'll like read a book or watch a movie or something like that. Those are kind of my Mm. like numb out things. And then just to reconnect with myself besides the breathing, um, movement is really important to me, but I'm not like a hardcore gym rat. So I walk and I will just walk and walk and walk until I've walked through whatever it is emotionally that I'm dealing with. That's making me want to disconnect. Um, Mm. so yeah, those are, those are a few practices and meditation is a big one for me. Um, and I'm, I'm still a youngling in it. I've only been doing it for a couple of years, but, um, it's, it's really a gift for me and it offers discipline in an area where I have had none for my entire life in a beautiful way, in a beautiful way without judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That. Such, such good tools right there. I've been on the fence about getting a weighted blanket for a while, and I feel like I'm now on the other side of the fence, and I need to go get one. It's amazing because it's like your body just, like, completely relax, relaxes. Mm. Well, mine does anyway. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I've got to go try that. Um, okay. Amazing. Amazing. Um, my second and last question for you has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about, okay. so I hope that that is okay. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, this is my favorite, most important part. Melissa, would you rather every time you watched a movie or a TV show of some sort, like anything on the TV, all the characters are actually guinea pigs? And it's like, it's the same show and they're saying the same things, but you see a bunch of guinea pigs in outfits running around on TV. Like if you're watching mm. Friends, Rachel mm-hmm. is a guinea pig, like the whole thing, but okay. nobody else. Nobody else sees this. Everyone else sees normal TV, but you just see guinea pigs all the time. Um, Or would you rather every single time you stepped outside, the ground changed colors and you were the only one that was able to see it and nobody would believe you when you told them that it was changing colors, but you got to just enjoy these different colors of the ground decided to be. I love this question because I actually feel like this is how I experience the world. I would pick number two. Um, I have synesthesia. So my brain mixes up colors and tastes and emotion and they're all connected. So when I write my Instagram posts and people are like, wow, that's so poetic. I'm like, no, that's just how I experience it. When I say that someone tastes like something they do, um, because Mm -hmm. that's how my brain has connected those things. So yeah, I love this question. And also (laughs) I do experience it that way when I walk outside. Um, So yeah, the second one for sure. No guinea pigs. They kind of weird me out just a little bit (laughs) yeah no totally understandable I love that (laughs) I love that that makes so much sense you just see the world through these really an incredible lens that is such a gift to other people when you write it down and share it and that's wonderful it's a gift to me yeah yeah well Melissa how can how can people find you if I guess if they wanted to book one of the the sessions with you like you're talking about or just follow your work online, your writing, your podcast, what are all the plugs you want to throw out here? Oh yeah, for sure. So I think the best way to connect with me is on Instagram at Melissa B Hawks, H-A-W-K-S like the bird. 
Um, you can just follow me there and all of the links to everything that I'm doing or will do are just in my bio there. And I do have a second season of my podcast that's going to um, start coming out in June. And I'm so excited. It's all folks who identify as women. Um, and it's called Deep in the Wild. And we're, we're exploring um, the heroine's journey a little bit. Um, so all the different phases of the heroine's journey and what that looks like. And I have some oh, amazing wow. women I'm talking to. Yes. So yeah, so just find me on Instagram and you're welcome to drop me a message. I, I check all of them as, as long as they're, uh, you know, not saying anything too sassy. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no overly sassiness invited. I love that. That is so cool. I can't wait to check out season two and to go listen to more of season one. That sounds incredible. Melissa, thank you so much for all the work and all of the beautiful words and pictures that you're putting out into the world. And it's just the world is so much better with you in it, Melissa. So thank you. <laughs> and thank you for having me, Jackie. I love what you're doing. And it's so beautiful. And it has been an inspiration to me as well. So I'm thankful for you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on. And I will I will talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Thanks.